This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm delighted. I've been la-di-da-din. Not a lot of thoughts when I ponder from the top. Man, these boys, they be potting. I trust them like a lot. And they told me that I get it. Guess what? I got it. You should do it too. You will never lose. If you ever do, must have been a ruse. Ricky, that's my dude. Stoops is super cool. Sharks up in the pool. I've been sparking up my tools. I've been looking to win. Spend a little again. I've been first fiddled it in. My God, I riddled again. I told them stop clowning around. They said what goes up comes down. I said I'm down with the sickness. My team stay ill now. Come get this. I'm just so David and light. I stay ready tonight. Deep dive, we rise. That's the medley, alright. David Delight. David Delight. Da 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 David Delight. Hey. Welcome to another episode of the David Delight brought to you by the Drive In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we are going to continue on with our previews of the conferences that are scheduled to play this fall. Today, we are going to tackle the Big 12. Um, as always, I am joined by my co-host and partner here, Stoops. How are you, buddy? I'm tired. I'm tired this morning. I stayed up way too late playing Madden. <laughs> exactly. Way too late. You stayed up later than I did. I did, yeah. I. Uh, it's awesome. Like The thing about it is, is like I don't get behind the, um, like the, oh my God, Madden is so bad. You know, is it more or less the same game? A lot of it is, yes. Yeah. But I love the new rosters. I love the, the yard stuff. It's kind of fun. So, it's been fun kind of diving into it and having a lot of fun with that. So I'm not mad about it. Now, and I've been doing a lot of the, uh, um, what is it, face of the franchise or whatever yeah. it is. I've already, apparently, a glitch. You ruined that fun for me. <laughs> but got drafted, about to play my first game, I think. So, no, it was fun. I liked the game. Like you said, it's it's kind of, it's kind almost the same as Madden 20. They changed, not controls per se, but like the rushing's different, um, def- yeah. defensive rushing. There's some changes to the game. Uh, tackling's a little bit more... Um, what's the term? You gotta you gotta literally a little bit more more accurate with it, I guess. I tried to hit stick these people and go shoom, <laughs> run right past them. So it's fun though. Now, but I'm excited to dive into the Big Twelve. Um, the guy, one of the guys, I'm not jumping into it, but one of the guys I'm gonna talk about, I was actually more impressed with him than what I thought I was gonna be. So that was exciting. I will say the exact same thing. Um, I had a guy in mind I was gonna talk to talk about all week, and then I changed it up um, in the quarterback position. And once I started doing some more research on the guy, I was like, oh. Well, maybe this is why a lot of people like the guys. So, all right. Like I said, we're going to talk about the Big 12. We're just going to talk about a few guys that we like uh, within the conference. Also, um, Stoops and I realized this morning, well, I kind of realized this morning, and then I told Stoops that college football's back next week. I I wanted to touch on that just a little hair before we kind of get into, you know, yeah, just kind of get into the the games real quick. But obviously next week, the big game I really can't wait to watch is the Memphis game. Memphis is playing next week. You know what I mean? I'm very, very excited about that. I'm very, very excited to see what Brady White does this year. Um, He's one of those guys to watch out for because if he has a good season, he could raise his draft stock a lot more than uh, meets the eye. And I know you're a big Brady White guy. so Yeah, I'm a big Brady White fan. Um, 
you know, I'm a fan of his, but I do realize he, he's got a little bit more to show. Um, he had some solid numbers last season, but it was still just – you kind of want to see it again, you know, especially yeah. not to knock his conference per se, but he's not playing SEC, Big 12, Big yeah. 10, even ACC competition at times. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily that top-of-the-line competition. So you want to see him put up those numbers again. I think Coxie's another guy that, that really has to – do what he did again, right? Yeah. He's got to do it again. I think for me, Gainwell, I like Gainwell um, a yeah. lot. I think he's he's shown enough in my my eyes with what he did last year, receiving the ball, rushing the ball, all that fun stuff. I really like him, but I think Brady White and and Cokes here too that kind of have to do it again. Let's see, let's see you, let's see you repeat what you had done. But um, I'm excited they're still playing because I really want to go see Memphis and uh, UTSA. It's in San Antonio. Don't know what the capacity thing's going to look like. If they're letting people go yet, I have no clue. But if they are. But if it's at 25%, Stoops wants to be one of those 25%. I will. <laughs> and I'll sit up at the very top of it. It's like a 70,000 seat stadium they're going to be bring playing some, in. Bring some I don't, binoculars. I, I don't care. Yeah, I will exactly. I will be there to watch. Absolutely. All right, folks, like I said, we're going to preview some of the guys inside the Big 12 that we are not just fans of, but guys that you should keep an eye on. Some guys that we maybe we wanted to learn a little bit more about. Um, i I for me, I picked three guys that I haven't really like did any research before on uh, outside of some small stuff. So, all right, Steve, kick it off with your first guy. Yeah, so the guy I'm going to talk about is um, a guy that, that kind of out of nowhere, I feel like, started to get a lot of hype um, on Twitter and then even in some of my my like Debbie Campus to Canton leagues um, that I've been drafting. And now Campus to Canton, I understand it a little bit more, um, especially because of depth. But Max Duggan, quarterback out of TCU, he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school, um, 6'2", 190, so a little bit on the the lighter side for weight, but 6'2". Um, I know you're not a huge fan of that, but I think that's kind of that minimum minimum range that you really want to see your, your quarterbacks um, at. Obviously, they can't control how tall they are. It's just genetics, but um, he was the number five dual, dual threat quarterback coming out, and he was the 10th ranked quarterback in his class coming out of high school, but he was the number one player in his state of Iowa, so he's got that going, but... We talked about it, not to go to Jalen Rager, but the play calling last year, it was just questionable, right? It was very questionable. Um, they couldn't decide what quarterback they wanted to start. Max Duggan came in, did what he needed to do, and then they said, ah, we're going to go somewhere else. And they tried, and it just, it was one of those, and I don't remember if it was on the game or I saw it somewhere else, but um, basically they were saying, like, if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I felt, and I'd never heard that saying before, to be honest with you, but I like it. Um, I think they said John Madden came up with that quote. So he's got a lot of famous quotes out there. But anyway, Max Duggan, um, looking at his stats last year, he only had a 53.4 completion percentage. So that's that's definitely not not a, a percentage you want to see from your starting quarterback. You just he threw over just over 2,000 yards, had 15 passing passing touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Where he really got it done, um, pretty consistently was on the ground. 130 rush attempts, 556 yards, and six rushing touchdowns. He accounted for 118 first downs. He had 2,628 total yards, um, which again is, is not necessarily eye popping. It's nothing special, um, but he is that he has that dual threat, right? Like I said, he was the fifth ranked dual threat quarterback coming out uh, of his class, so he's got it there. Uh, true freshman, you always see it. They kind of struggle here and there, and then especially not getting the consistent reps I think hurt him. Um, but I, he's the guy now, right? I, I, I believe whoever he was going back and forth, I think he transferred, graduated. I should have looked at more, more in depth with it, but it's Max Duggan, right? Uh, unless something unforeseen happens, but it's going to be his team this year. 
Um, but the biggest or one of the things I really, really ha have a concern with is his fumbles. He had eight fumbles last year. Now that's going to come obviously with a dual threat quarterback. It's a higher risk. Um, it, it's going to happen, but he's got to take care of the ball. If he's going to run, he's, he's got to take care of the ball, especially even, even just inside the pocket. He, he's got to be able to see defenders, feel them coming behind him. It, it, he's just got to take care of the ball a little bit better. But like I've done with other guys, I kind of dove in a little bit deeper um, with, with their stats, you know, versus Big 12 opponents and non-Big 12 opponents. So I'm just going to talk about uh, versus Big 12. Um, that's where obviously a bulk of his stats came from. That's where they should come from. He played most of his games there. Um, that's where it came from. So he had a 54.2 completion percent there, um, 262 pa pass attempts. So uh, most everything came from there, obviously. 1,649 passing yards. 10 uh, passing touchdowns, but all of his interceptions, 100% of his interceptions came against Big 12 opponents. So got to clean that up because that's where bulk of your games are coming from. So if someone's scouting NFL-wise, whoever, and they're watching your conference games, you're like, man, he's throwing a lot of interceptions. Well, it's because he threw all of them against Big 12 opponents. He had 105 rush attempts, 536 rushing yards, and five rushing touchdowns, and then 94 first downs. And again, 50% of his fumbles came against Big 12 opponents. So um, he was consistent in that mark, right? It was 50% against big 12, 50% against non big 12. But, um, like I said, a hundred percent of his interceptions came through in that, but I watched a little bit as far. I've watched some of the TCU games, but I never really watched that in depth. It's just kind of watching to watch. Right. So I went back and watched a little bit of his film and it was actually against Texas. A couple things that I really didn't notice from him. Um, as I said, he, he's got the dual threat ability. He's a physical runner for a quarterback. We always, we always I, I don't want to say we knocked Joe Burrow. I'm not saying that, but Joe Burrow wanted the contact, right? I see that a little bit in Max Duggan, but the good thing I saw a lot too was he did slide. He did slide down pretty consistently. Um, I would say I probably saw him slide down more than what I did trying him trying to get contact. It's obviously when, hey, the first down marker is one yard away. The end zone's one, two yards away. That's where he really starts to, to use his physicality. But he he is taking care of his body like he needs to be, and, and he does slide down. Another thing I really saw that I, I, I liked was he's got a solid deep ball for being – for have been a true freshman. Um, we always talk about that. Right? It's They're just always so inconsistent, really any, any level of a quarterback. But he seemed very accurate with it. Um, in, in most cases, and it was just he he dropped it in where the receiver needed it, right? It was it wasn't much of an adjustment that he needed to make. So I was a huge fan of that. Um, for a true freshman, he goes through his progressions pretty well. I felt I, I'm not saying he was you know 100 solid elite with it, but there was a play against Texas. He, you could see him. He, he looked at his first read, wasn't there. Second read, wasn't there. Third read, immediately saw it. Boom, threw a touchdown. He went through them very quick. It wasn't a stare down, stare down. Oh, I'm going to go here and then went. It was a very smooth transition, and I was very impressed with seeing that. Um, and take this how you want. I, I, I know this quarterback I'm about to name is not necessarily a lot of uh, or high on a lot of people's lists, but I was a big, big TCU fan. Um, back in my late high school, early college days, um, whenever they were kind of that Cinderella team. Watching the film, he kind of reminded me of Andy Dalton when he was at TCU. And I was curious. I went back and looked at Andy Dalton's stats. They had almost the same stats, basically, like freshman season. Um, Andy Dalton in 2007, he had a 59.8 completion percent. But he only had two, I say only, he had 2,691 total yards. Dal uh, Max Duggan had 2,628. 2, Does that mean he's going to be the next NFL guy? Not necessarily. 
But I was watching the film, and I even went back and watched a little bit of, of Andy Dalton's when he was at TCU. They just remind me of each other, which can be a good thing, and it can also be a bad thing. We've seen good Andy Dalton. We've seen bad Andy Dalton, right? It's just going to be interesting to see how Max Duggan progresses um, through the seasons, through his career there. I do think unless something crazy happens, he's going to be a four-year guy there. Andy Dalton was a four-year guy at TCU. I don't think Max Duggan's going to be the guy that just kind of comes in and, and blows everybody out of the water and says, I'm leaving after three years, um, and then he's this top pick. I, I don't see that in him per se, but I do see someone who has the potential, um, as long as that progression is there throughout the seasons, to really have an NFL opportunity, um, as long as he can clean up the fumbles and then get a little bit more accurate with his passing. And that's the good thing about Dalton, right? He was at 59.8, 59.3, 61.6, and then 66.1. So he at least, outside of his, I guess, freshman to sophomore season, but he progressed and got more accurate. So that's what we want to see. All of his numbers kept going up. So um, I was a big fan. I, I, I didn't, you know, look much into Max Duggan. I just kind of was like, oh, you know, he, he didn't do much. And then the more I thought about it, well, I was a huge Jalen Rager fan and he didn't get much opportunity because the coaches didn't know how to make play calls, it seemed like. But Max Duggan, definitely a guy, campus to Canton, um, even deep Debbie League, go grab him, snatch him up, get him. Um, don't be afraid to, to sit and wait for a couple years on, on a quarterback like this. So I was a big fan, big fan, the more I dove into him. Yeah, for me, I felt the same way about Brock Purdy. Um, I've been kind of on the lower end of Brock Purdy compared to some other people within the draft circle. And I think it was more so because his stash, his stats were never really flashy to me. Um, and then, of course, you have the same thing that you mentioned. You mentioned Duggan is 6'2", Brock Purdy 6'1", 202. So for me, like, you know, I have a big – I don't have an issue with short quarterbacks, but I do prefer quarterbacks that are at least, you know, 6'3", 6'4". And of course, you know, Trevor Lawrence, six, you know, six, six, but you know, <laughs> he's a whole different conversation with a quarterback. <laughs> he really is. I love the fact that I was not the one that mentioned Joe Burrow, this podcast. So um, d- digging kind of a little bit into Purdy last year, 13 games, 3,982 yards, 27 touchdowns and nine interceptions. One thing you'll notice the big difference for me, he threw the ball 255 more times in 2019 than he did in 2018. He approved upon that interception ratio. Um, in 2018, he threw an interception on an average of 31, uh, once per 31 pass attempts. In 2019, that improved to one per 52 pass attempts. Um, his yards per uh, his yards per um, completion were down two yards, which I'm not very fond of. And then, of course, his pass completion percentage was down a little bit as well, but both workable things. Um, one thing that really stood out to me uh, before I kind of dive d- deeper into him a little bit is his red zone stats. 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, that, to me, obviously is something that Stoops and I look at a lot. The red zone, what you do in the red zone, you know what I mean? I, I don't care about completion percentage in the red zone. I never have cared about it because I'd rather the guy throw the ball away, have a 50% completion percentage, than throw an interception in the red zone, force the ball that's not there. But for me, he had eight rushing touchdowns in the red zone as well, right? Just last year alone. That, to me, is impressive. So he counted for 23 red zone touchdowns last year. And like I said, eight of those on the ground. Every single rushing touchdown he had last year was on the ground. You know what I mean? He's very he's sneaky athletic um, in certain aspects. He had a very impressive game last year. I watched this game whenever they played against Oklahoma. Um, they were down 21 points. 
He threw three touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. He had six total touchdowns in that game. Obviously, they lost 42-41. But you can tell that the fight is in him to be competitive, to be um, to want to be the guy that you know doesn't give up. You know what I mean? A lot of quarterbacks down 42-21. They kind of just chuck the ball up there and hope for the best. But for me, it's it's there's a lot to like. Um, heading towards the end of the season was not pretty for Purdy. Um, this is one of the things that I'm going to knock him for. You had a big game against Kansas, 29-42, to 42, 372 yards, four touchdowns. Games against Kansas State and games against Notre Dame, he was just absolutely piss poor in both those games, right? He had a below 55% completion percentage. He had less than 400 yards in both of those games combined. Um, he looked ugly. His passes were errant. It, it was just very – now, don't get me wrong. We all know Notre Dame's got a good defense, right? They've got a very tough defense. They do year in, year out. But for me, that's where you have to shine, right? That's the bowl game. That's where every, the, all the eyes are on you. You're going to need to, to kind of play your best. Um, a couple of pros that I like a, a lot about uh, Purdy when watching his tape. Um, the offense is really set up for him to get that third and fourth read, right? Being able to read that defense and being able to maybe elude a little bit of the pressure, which I'll talk about in a minute. He has that ability to do so. But being able to get to that third and fourth read and understand how important it is not to go one, two, run, or even one run, you know what I mean? Like we've seen with some of the quarterbacks of the last couple of years, Purdy is capable enough to read for the third and fourth read, which is very, very pivotal in the NFL, especially if you're good enough in the pocket to kind of elude that pressure. And you're not, you know, a lot of quarterbacks think I'm eluding this pressure, so it's time to take off, right? Instead, Purdy eludes the pressure and sees if his read is back there, right? You know, your eyes come off down the field for just a second to get out of the pocket. I love that about him. I watched him do it several times in the game where he's he's in that pocket. You've got your eyes set on the first and second read. He gets pass rushed. He kind of eludes the pass rush, and then he kind of escapes to the outside, and then he completes a pass instead of rushing because he is sneaky athletic enough to go ahead and get those first downs or, or rush for a couple yards himself. But – for me, that pocket awareness is something that's unteachable. He's not great at it, right? But he has it enough that it's understandable that he's aware of kind of that blindside rush that's coming for him. He's able to elude that pressure as well. Um, like I said, the athletic to, to break away from the pocket is something that is key in the next level of the NFL. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are looking for quarterbacks that are no longer like Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Not Tom Brady the person, but the athleticism of a Tom Brady, right? Everybody wants a Tom Brady. but you know, the, the athleticism, Tom Brady, you see him coming out of the, out of the, you know, out of pressure. He don't get me wrong. He eludes the pressure, but he's not coming out very fast. You know what I mean? He's not rushing for, you know, 30, 40, <coughs> 30, 40 yards. You know what I mean? If I remember correctly, last year was like his 21st year in the season, 21st season in the NFL. And he just eclipsed a thousand yards rushing. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a slow, but steady, you know, wins the race there. Um, the, the, the offensive line, for Iowa State is is brutal. Like it's 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 ugly to watch sometimes, uh, but he's able to make plays regardless. Um, that's something you need to see because even when you're drafting the NFL, does not mean you're going to have an offensive line that's going to be 100% protecting you. Not just every single play, but just it, it, hypothetically in general. Like if you look down at the Houston Texans, you know what I mean. Their offensive line has been awful, but Deshaun Watson is somebody that makes plays regardless of what's going on with the offensive line. That's kind of what you you want a playmaker within your system. Um, a couple things that I like for him to work on. Uh, once he gets under pressure, he's very sporadic, right? You know what I mean? 
I'd prefer him to throw the ball away, maybe take a sack instead of trying to force plays at times. Um, obviously, as a quarterback, you know, not every quarterback is going to be very good under pressure per se. But at the same time, I like to see him kind of be more fluid with the ball there. Throw it away. Take a sack. You know what I mean? Some of these quarterbacks don't remember or understand that it's OK to take a sack. Right. It's OK to take a sack. It's OK to lose seven or instead of losing a turnover, it's OK to throw the ball away. And I think sometimes he runs into that it's issues. Um, he has if he's if he's flustered. It's ugly, right? He's not one of those quarterbacks that snaps back out of his uh, progressions really fast. If he's on a funk, he's going to be on that funk for a little while. He's going to be on that funk for a quarter or two. I needed him to, to, to change that this year, right? I need to see him be able to throw an interception and then go back out on the next drive and, and have a 10-play drive for a touchdown. That's, that's the kind of consistency you want out of your quarterback instead of throwing an interception and still kind of being errant and, and inaccurate the following drive. So consistency is key within uh, Brock Purdy as well. Um, for me, one last thing I want to talk about with him, this is what I want to see out of 2020. Uh, he had four fumbles in 2018. Um, like I said, the numbers for the interception went down in 20, 2019, but the fumbles went up to seven, seven of them this year. That's still 11 fumbles in two seasons. That's a lot of fumbles. Right. You know what I mean? That's a lot of turnovers. Again, the, the stats are wonky. You can't really find whether they lost the fumbles or not. But like as Stoops and I talk about, a fumble is a fumble. You could have lost five yards. You could have lost 10 yards. You could have lost. It, it doesn't matter. It's a loss of down. 95% of the time, it's a loss of down. You know what I mean? So you be more consistent with the ball. If you're getting hit, protect the football. You're a quarterback. You got to do what you got to do. Turnovers are turnovers. You know what I mean? It, period. Whether it's an interception or a fumble. Uh, and consistency in the big games. Um, th this is one that. I, He's very up and hit, up and down, up and down. It, it's a consistently uh, uh, frustrating to watch him play. Um, he had interceptions, and in, I think of eight of the thirteen games last year. You can't have that, right? You know what I mean. You you have to, you know. I understand interceptions are going to happen, but you've got to be more consistent. Uh, up and down inaccuracy. You know what I mean. Like down down the stretch last year, these are the last six games of the season for him. 62% completion percentage, 63, 62, 69, 50, 56. That's just, you know what I mean? He started the season 70, 70, 73, 70, 77. You know what I mean? He even had a 79 game in there as well. But game again, Oklahoma State, 62. He threw the ball 62 times in that Oklahoma State game and only had a 62% pass completion percentage. Um, in the game against Oklahoma, 63. I'm not saying that's terrible, but I need some accuracy improvement. I need him to throw the ball a little bit better. His ball placement needs to be get uh, to get it a little bit better as well. But I like Purdy a little bit more than I did. I think if he struggles just a hair, he comes back for his senior year, no question. You know what I mean? I, but I, at the same time, I don't know with this draft class, he might not get a better evaluation because next year's quarterback class is pretty pretty solid with the King Slavis at the top. So, um <laughs> I couldn't help myself, man. It's been uh, 21 minutes into the podcast, and I finally mentioned Slava. So, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, all right, I'm done with Purdy. Uh, what you got for us, dude? Who's your next guy? So the next guy I'm going to talk about um, is a guy that we have touched base on before, but um, it's Puka Williams running back out of Kansas. He is um, on the smaller side, um, especially as far as, as weight goes. 5'10", 170. Would definitely love to see him put on a little bit more weight. But he's not afraid of the contact at his size, right? Which is definitely something you like to see. So if he could put on a little bit more weight, um, just get a little bit more meat on the bones, I think that would just do him wonders. But he was a four-star prospect coming out, 272nd ranked player in his class. And he was the ninth all-purpose um, running back coming out of 
out of high school and the sixth-ranked player in the state of Louisiana. He's got some good numbers, right? So, yeah, it's Kansas, cool. Uh, but he's definitely, arguably, the best player on that team. So you look at his 2018 um, stats and then compare him to 2019. So in 2018, 160 rush attempts, just over 1,100 yards, seven rushing touchdowns. He had 41 targets, 34 receptions, 82.9 catch percent there for 294 yards and two receiving touchdowns. Solid, solid numbers. He moved to 2019. Saw an increase in carries, 201 rush attempts, just over 1,000 yards. Now, he did miss that one game with the suspension. So a couple, you know, I mean, it was kind of a big deal, actually. I'm surprised he only got one game. But um, off off the field issues, it seems, again, it seems as if he's kind of cleaned that up. So that that's good news. So hopefully he can stay, you know, stay stay on the straight, straight path um, and keep going there. But like I said, rushing yards, just over 1,000. Um, only had three rush attempts. So he, I'm sorry, rushing touchdowns. So he definitely went down there, 28 targets on 26 receptions, 92.9% catch rate there, 209 receiving yards and two, two uh, receiving touchdowns. So his his targets and everything went down, um, but he catches the ball when it gets thrown to him. That's something that you just, you just can't, you, you can't get over that, right? That's going to translate to the next level for sure, even with the, the lighter weight that he has. He'll put on some weight, I hope. You know, NFL teams can definitely figure that piece out. They, they've got some some uh, nutritionists there and, you know, weight room facilities that are unbelievable. So he'll he'll get that figured out, I think. But um, he can catch the ball. That's going to get him on the field. Um, he's agile. He's quick. He can, he can find the holes. He's not afraid of contact. It's just he's an all-around player, in my opinion. Um, I think he is someone that's, that's being undervalued, but I'm not saying he's one of the top-tiered guys either. I just think he's not some or he's someone that is not being talked about enough. But when you look at his stats against um, basically conference opponents, again, that's where a bulk of his stats came from, as they should. But 157 rush attempts against Big 12 opponents for 823 um, rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. He had 23 targets and 22 receptions. So against Big 12 opponents, he caught almost every single pass thrown his way. 197 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, and he counted for 42 of his 52 first downs against Big 12 opponents. You got to love seeing that. But the one thing that really stood out to me when I was looking at game-by-game stats, it seems for some reason he, he tends to struggle a little bit more against the lower competition, but he thrives against those top programs. So it's kind of one of those where we always say it, right? When you play the lesser competition, like you've got to show out. You've you've got to get your yards, your touches, your stats, all of that. Against the big opponents, we want to see it, but it's a little bit more understandable if it's it's lower numbers, right? But I looked at it. So versus TCU, um, he only had eight carries, but he only ran for 12 yards. That's that's not good. Not good. No touchdowns. Texas Tech, 21 carries for 69 yards, no touchdowns. Kansas State, 14 rush attempts, 61 yards, no touchdowns. It's just one of the and in, in, in those I didn't look at the receptions per se, but I think it was one or two targets, and he had some receptions there. But nonetheless, he didn't have a over you know overwhelming uh, amount of yards, touchdowns, any of that. But then you go to Oklahoma, who uh, he's got Oklahoma's number every single time he has played Oklahoma, he's destroyed them. Right, the team not so much, but he has ran the ball very very well. So you look at and these are 2019 numbers at that. So you look at when he played Oklahoma. 23 carries, 137 rushing yards. No, no rushing touchdowns. 
Go to Texas. 24 rush attempts for 191 yards, rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. And then against Iowa State, 19 carries for 154 yards. You, you look at when he plays those those better teams, the ranked teams, all that. I think Baylor, he um, I should have wrote that one down. I think he still had like 90-something some odd yards for 16, 17 carries, I think it was. So even against Baylor, he did did pretty, pretty solid. But you look at the the difference in playing a TCU where you only had 12 carry or I'm sorry 12 yards and you go play Oklahoma who was in the college football playoff and you had 137 rushing yards it's it's just kind of a question as to why essentially is he playing down to the competition and then plays up to the competition so it's like just be more consistent with it and again play calling that's going to play a factor I get it right but when the ball's in your hand you got to get it done especially whenever you are the best player on that team essentially so I want to see a little bit more consistency all around there. Um, and I'm not expecting him to go out for 150, 200 yards against lesser opponents. But at the same time, you, you got to have at least at minimum, I would say 80 to 100 yards um, throwing receptions and, and as far as that goes. But overall, I'm a fan of Puka. We've been a fan of Puka for for almost two years now, it seems. Um, well, I guess a year and a half, whatever. But um, big Puka fan. Um, definitely, definitely someone to grab up in your, your campus to Canton leagues. Um, Debbie in general. Um, it doesn't matter. Just snatch him up. You're going to get him a little bit later than, than most. I'm not saying he's going to be a late round guy, but he's definitely not going to be the early round. You'll probably get a mid round area. So definitely keep an eye on him. Watch him. I, I think this is going to be a big year for him. Um, I mean, he's rushed for over a thousand yards, you know, every year he's been there. So we got to see it again. Um, receiving's there. I, I'm not concerned with that at all, but I just want to see a little bit more consistency against certain opponents compared to others. So hopefully we can see a little bit more consistency this year. Yeah, that's the big thing with Puka is the consistency factor, right? You know what I mean? He reminds you of like a Darren Sproles style, mm-hmm. style player. You know what I mean? He's going to see the field in the NFL just on kick return, punt return alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that kind of – he kind of reminded me of the guy that I'm going to talk about, J.D. Spillman. Like he is that same boat, right? You know what I mean? He's 5'9", 175, not a very big guy, you know, and three-star prospect. The crazy thing about it is he after three seasons with Nebraska, he transferred to TCU this offseason. Um, which, you know, obviously, you know, pairing up there with Duggan, I think Duggan's going to like this kid a lot, you know what I mean? Um, and it's crazy, just three days ago, just three days ago, it was announced that he would have immediate eligibility to play at TCU. There was a lot of questions uh, surrounding that. Like I said, 5'9", 175, three-star prospect, four four five forty, super fast. Um, over the last two seasons, 117 catches, 1,729 yards, 13 touchdowns. Uh, three straight seasons over 800 yards. 2019 saw his biggest, highest output from uh, yards per catch, jumping from 12.4 to 18.3. That's almost a full six yards per catch last year that he approved upon. He had 66 catches in 2018, 49 in 2019. And you see that number with that difference between the six yards per catch. He almost had he had more uh, receiving yards last year than he did in 2018. Uh, he had the more touchdowns, uh, obviously, in 2018 as well. But <clears throat> the dude's a monster on the road. He had 28 catches, 50, 558 yards, and three touchdowns on the road, which is very interesting to see. A lot of these guys you see are very consistent at home. They're consistent <clears throat> They're consistent at their home base a lot of the times. But this guy is consistent on the road. Um, he had a 76-yard punt return for a touchdown last year. Um, so 14 punt returns, a kick return, two pass attempts, four rushes. And, of course, you have the you know these 49 catches. What does that tell you about J.D. Spillman? This guy's a playmaker, right? You know what I mean? You want to get the ball in this guy's hands. You know what I mean? He's out here throwing. He's got rushes. 
He's got he's a punt return. He's a kick return. You know what I mean? He does everything on the field that you want. In his three seasons with Nebraska, he's had over a thousand kickoff and punt return yards. Three went for three going for touchdowns. You know what I mean? This guy is super agile. 55% of his touches last year went for 15 plus yards. Four of his five touchdowns went for 21 plus yards. Over the last two years, he's got nine touchdowns with 21 plus yards. Playmaker, right? You know what I mean? In the red zone. You know, he had four touchdowns. It's 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 to me the the trend that we're starting to see in college football. And Stoops and I, we talked about this a little bit before. It's interesting to see some of these smaller guys make more of an impact in the red zone than we ever have before. Used to seeing 6'6", 6'5", 6'4", even 6'2", guys making big plays in the red zone. Teams are finding out ways to get their other players involved in the red zone. It's, it's like, you know, size does matter in the red zone, obviously. But at the same time, some of these guys are making plays in ways that you know, maybe they never were or offense or, you know, coaches are figuring out ways to kind of get them involved. Um, like I said, 15 touchdowns in the last two seasons. That's impressive enough. They had a 39% dominator rating in 2019, which was best on the team. The next best on his team was 17%. You know what I mean? He was, you know, he clearly, clearly the best player in uh for nebraska uh, last year I'm, I'm interested to see what he's going to do with duggan down at tcu i think it's already a better offensive move for him um last season we had a couple big games we had one against colorado five for 112 and touchdown illinois seven for 160 purdue six for 123 maryland he had seven for 104 to end the season he had 100 yards or um or a touchdown in four consecutive games he kind of showed out a little bit there a couple of games at the end of the season Spillman is somebody that, from looking at some of the uh, various websites, he's got a six-round grade on him right now. Not high, but it, it, receiver, it's it's deep. Mm-hmm. It's deep this year. Um, he's another one of those guys that um, he, he's got really no choice but to come out this year, obviously with the granted eligibility. I think he's someone to keep an eye out. You know what I mean? We talk about this consistently on the show. If a guy's good at special teams and he starts to make plays, offensive coordinators are going to start figuring out how to get him the ball in his hands. Like I said, this guy is a versatile player. He's going to be an asset in the NFL. He might not be more than a, maybe a third, third, fourth receiver on a football team. But I think as he progresses, as he gets a little bit better, as he starts doing a little bit things, doing some of those little things a little bit better, he's going to see the football more and more. And this guy is a deep, deep, deep Debbie guy right now. You know what I mean? Especially in your campus again. He's going to be well worth it. I think he's going to get another 1,000 yards this year easily, uh, all-purpose. Uh, even if you see four or five touchdowns out of him. I would like to see some more consistency out of him. Um, talking about the games that he had the big ones, but he had games where he went, he went two for 19, one for seven, two for 36. You know what I mean? I, I, I want to see some more consistency out of him. And I think I, I say this because, you know, I think Duggan's obviously the better quarterback here that he's going to play with, but the play calling in TCU, as we're well aware, is not very good. So they had a problem getting the ball in a playmaker's hands before. <laughs> We're all very well aware um, what they did for the last couple of years. So I'm hoping that maybe that changes with Spillman. I don't think it will. But as long as Spillman goes out there and gets his, I think we're going to see his stock improve. Uh, heading into this coming draft. So I like Spillman. I like the move. I'm excited to see what he does in 2020. All right, Stoops, who's the last guy we're going to talk about? Well, real quick. So it seems like TCU has quietly started to acquire, well, I mean, it's just two guys, I guess, but some 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 top talent that hasn't been talked about as much. Like, for example, Zach Evans, right, running back. 
he was like the guy. He was the number one player in the country for a long time, and then his stuff started started going happening, and other running backs jumped him. But him ended up going to him going to TCU, and and now Spillman going to TCU. They've got a top defense. They only won five games last year. Do you think if they're again play calling is what it is? But I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Twelve. I'm not going that direction. They only won five games last year. You think they're a eight win team this year if they can kind of put it together like i think duggan's going to be a big part of that right consistency there but absolutely the pieces that they've got going like they've got some top defensive guys that are highly touted you know going potentially going to the nfl um draft after this season but it's like they have a much better team than what a lot of people are probably giving them credit for absolutely and there's a lot of question marks surrounding a lot of different teams within within the big uh big 12 here right yeah. you know what i mean how good is oklahoma going to be we don't know you know they're, they're going to be good obviously yeah. but their defense isn't very good all you have to do is score points against o- uh, oklahoma to really beat oklahoma you know what i mean is is baylor going to be any good is you know, there's a lot of questions oklahoma mm-hmm. states there's a lot of question marks surrounding this entire conference as a collective whole here i, I agree with you i don't see them maybe winning it but I see them making making big time. They got SMU. Iowa State is is a team I think that could potentially win that that the Big Twelve. I really do. I, I think they're a team to watch out for. It's funny. Spillman was was picked between TCU and and Iowa State. If he wouldn't went to Iowa State, that would have been amazing because the guy I'm gonna talk about a little bit later also goes to Iowa State as well. But you know, there's a lot of question marks within the. Uh, Within the Big 12, TCU could make a run. You know what I mean? They have the players, like you said, and especially mm-hmm. defensively. They're recruiting. It, it's going to be an interesting season for these guys. I'm excited. So last guy that I'm going to talk talk about um, is wide receiver out of Texas, Jake Smith. He's another guy that, that a lot of people haven't really touched base on, but it seems – I mean, it's opportunity, right? Last year, I mean, with Devin DuVernay there, it was he was the guy, you know? So it's like now that 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 all – those stats are vacant. A lot of people are talking about Jake Smith now, but he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school as well, 49th ranked in his class, um, eighth-ranked wide receiver and the second player – or second-ranked player out of the uh, state of Arizona. And I, I noticed that it's funny. So five stars, right? It's usually just like your top 32 guys um, in the class generally – um, from what I, I've seen in years past. But then you look at the four-star. This guy is number 40 or the 49th. Then you look at others, and they'll be like 280th, and they're still a four-star. So it's just you kind of have that tier. Like you have your highly ranked four-stars, and then your mid and your low-ranked four-stars. So it's kind of a larger gap there. But he's 6'1", 189. Um, played a lot behind DuVernay. Uh, I think that's why his his targets and his receptions aren't necessarily as high, obviously. Um, and I'll get to some vacant stats in a little bit. But when you look at Jake Smith's stats from the from last season, 33 targets, 25 receptions. Got, that's 75.8 catch percent, so that's pretty solid. 274 receiving yards and six receiving touchdowns. That was my biggest thing is unlimited targets and limited catches. He still had six touchdowns. He's a playmaker. I was watching some film before we jumped on to record. He, he, a lot of his passes, or I'm sorry, a lot of his receptions are probably no more than four yards down the field, right? They get the ball into his hands quick. They run a lot of wide receiver screens with him. They get the ball into his hands quick and let him make plays. That's, that's what he does best. He, he's definitely yards after catch. He's going to get it done. Um, he's he's agile. He makes people miss. He's not afraid of the contact. He's going to gain you. It may only be an extra two to three yards, but that could be the difference between a touchdown or even a first down, right? So it, it's definitely good to see a, a player like that. 
And then looking at his stats against the Big 12 last year, again, nothing phenomenal because his stats were very limited as it is. But 17 targets, 14 receptions, 148 yards, and three touchdowns, kind of for five of his six total first or his six six first downs. He did have one fumble. Um, um, and actually he he took a pretty good hit, right? But he still he got hit in the legs, which again, I it's it's tough, right? You know, it's kind of almost worrisome at times whenever they get hit in the legs like that. But he took a solid hit. Um, he did fumble it, and I believe his, his, the offense recovered it, so he didn't lose the ball. But again, it's still a fumble, right? We say that all the time. But when you look at the vacant targets or vacant stats in general, this is where I think it's really going to be uh, – he's going to be a focal point of this offense this year. So you look at Devin DuVernay last year, right? 121 targets, 105 receptions, 1,284 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns. You look at Colin Johnson. 63 targets, 39 receptions, 564 uh, receiving yards for three touchdowns. So we're talking 184 vacant targets and 144 vacant receptions, over 1,800 receiving yards and 12 receiving touchdowns. Those That's a lot of numbers, right? That's a lot of numbers that are going to be available, be open. Obviously, play calling is going to be a little bit different. They brought in you know, some freshmen, some, uh, all, these, all these guys. It's going to be a different landscape. And this may or may not be a bold statement. I don't really know. Kind of opportunities there. But I think Brennan Eagles and Jake Smith are going to be the two guys there. I think they're going to be the focal point of that offense. I think that they're going to be the top target getters, the top um, receptions, receiving yards, kind of all around the board, right? I, I think Brennan Eagles will be the guy who sees most of that. But I think Jake Smith is a guy that's going to really make a name for himself. He's going to to show his abilities. I mean, he's, he's just so his agility is unbelievable, right? He's able to make plays once the ball is in his hands. So I definitely want to see what he's able to do. I think he's going to be anywhere between probably 55 to 65 targets this season, which is nothing to write home about. It's not going to be this top, you know, top guy on the team per se, but I do think he's still going to have anywhere between 550 to 650, maybe even 700 receiving yards, depending on what he's able to do. But I think he's going to be big time in the touchdowns. I mean, he had six on his limited last year. I think he's going to be closer to the eight to 10 mark this year. And that's kind of a big jump if you really think about it. Um, but, but I think he's going to be one that's really, really leaned on um, big time this year. Obviously Malcolm Epps, Jordan Whittington coming back. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy. He's a stud amongst himself. Uh, Keontae Ingram, Bijan, right? The, the talent's there. Texas is another team that like there's a lot of question marks behind, um, especially play calling. We always say that, right? As <laughs> if like as if we or any of the players have control over that. But there's just they got to get if they can get Keontae Ingram and Bijan involved correctly, that's going to only open up Sam's opportunities to to throw more passes into open windows, right? To to Brendan Eagles, to Jake Smith, Apps, winning, just you name it. So as long as the coaches can get that play calling down and become a little bit more consistent with it, as well as the players being more consistent, right? If the players aren't performing, then the play calling kind of doesn't make a big difference there. But I think Jake Smith's a guy that that's that's flying under the radar. Um, understandably so, though, right? When he only has he only have 33 targets. So if you didn't watch much Big 12 or watch much Texas, many, many Texas games last year, um, you probably don't know who Jake Smith is. But he was a, a, a highly touted four-star prospect coming out. Um, stud in the state of uh, what was it Arizona right yeah stud in Arizona he, he's a guy that, that can make plays he had actually a phenomenal catch against um, LSU touchdown catch um, his concentration's unbelievable right the, the defender was all over him and it was and Sam threw it was a solid pass right it fit into a small window um, defender went to swat it away and it was just a concentration Jake Smith caught it for a touchdown but it's 
I think he's a guy that that really needs to be you know talked about a little bit more. We got to pay attention to him, see what he does this season, um, especially going up against just the Big Twelve you know opponents. Um, we've said it, Big Twelve defenses. It, they're they're questionable you know what i mean they've they always have five star you know highly four star rated prospects coming out so they've got top guys but it's just it's always so high powered right you're gonna see games that are 45 to 41 or like you said what was it the 42 41 yeah the i was i was dating oklahoma game it's just they're gonna be high scoring high flying you know which is fun to watch don't get me wrong but it's it's the defenses just aren't as top notch as what we would want to see. Um, obviously, SEC defenses, even some of the Pac-12 defenses, albeit those are kind of high scoring games as well. Even ACC has some. There's there's good defenses around different conferences. It just seems like Big Twelve as a whole. It's kind of like, hey, who's going to get to fifty points first? That's kind of what it seems like. But exactly. In the end, um, I think Jake Smith's going to be a huge focal point of this offense. He's got the experience. He, he understands. Um, again, they're bringing in new coaching. I get that. But it's the same head coach. It's going to be the same philosophy um, for the most part, I, I would have to assume. So having that experience already, having that chemistry, that's huge. Having chemistry with Sam, Sam Ellinger back there, I think that's going to do him, him wonders. So it's going to be fun to see, fun to watch. But if you haven't watched any of the Jake Smith film, albeit limited, um, Definitely go check it out. I think you'll be impressed. I just want to see, hopefully they can get him involved, you know, a little bit more down the field. Um, I want to see what he's able to do on that. And there was a pass, um, uh, a route where he he did run it deep and he burned the guy. He he gave him a little, little fake inside, went basically, you know, as a post route essentially, and he was gone, right? Caught it for a touchdown. So I want to see him get involved a little bit more around the field, um, especially on deep passes. But Jake Smith's definitely got to keep an eye on. Um, great yards after catch ability. Man, I'll tell you what, they consistently underachieve, right? Texas yeah. and USC are the two teams that always come to mind that are always overranked, overhyped, yeah. have the talent, and just never can get the job done. I like Sam Ellinger. I know yeah. he's not a very popular guy amongst the circles of the world, but um, he shows flashes of being a talented football player right um Tariq Black came over from Michigan I think that's going to be another potential uh weapon for him to utilize this offseason but um I'm, I'm a big fan of of Texas and and always big fan of their potential right you know mm-hmm. what I mean I, I'm going to change things up this week I'm going to talk about a tight end so a tight end very 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 excited about talking about Charlie Kohler here what's uh, a tight end it's a position on the field you oh know they, oh yeah I know we don't really talk about it just a kidding. lot on here. No, I'm just kidding as well. Um, Charlie Kohler, three-star prospect, right? Iowa State, 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, six. Now, the thing that's weird is, okay, so if you Google Charlie Kohler, you never know what his size is. You know what I mean? You never know what his weight is, okay? On some websites, I've got him listed as a brisk, um, you know, 227. On uh, another website, I found him at 258. So... <laughs> so what we're saying is it's about 236. <laughs> so, take. so let's just say, you know, exactly. Um, if he's around 250, that's that's pretty solid weight for the guy. I like it a lot. Um, all right. So let's talk about a little bit of the stats last year. 71 targets, 51 catches, 297 yards, six touchdowns. 32 of his 51 catches last year result in first downs. 76% of his catches went for A-plus yards, which is insane to think about, right? 76% of his 51 catches went for eight plus yards. And for a tight end, he went 41% of those catches went for 14 or more yards. And then 16% of those 
catches, went for 21 or more yards. 12 targets in the red zone, six catches, four touchdowns. Um, he's, he's Brock Purdy's security blanket. Three catches on fourth down, all turned into first down. 17% market share on the, on the, on the team for target, 17% market share for yards in the team. Both are second on the team last year. Uh, 13, 13.7 yards per catch last year was uh, amongst the highest for tight ends in all of college football. Um, he's dominated. He's dominates in the run blocking. Very good route runner. Coach, literally, I was reading an article. Coach calls him a physical and mental freak. Said he's one of the smartest kids he's ever met, um, which just goes to show you the kid's got a good head on his shoulder as well. You know what I mean? So that's another plus. Um, watching him in the trenches is something that is impressive. Um, the NFL, you know, it's another one of those things. I think it's just as important to be a three down tight end as it is just, you know, a three down running back. You know what I mean? You can't be a Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's a liability on the field. So Jimmy Graham comes out, maybe first down and then third down. You know what I mean? He does. He's not going to come in for the run plays because they know he can't block anybody. You know what I mean? So, but if you have a guy that's able to be uh, efficient in the run game and being able to take down a guy and maybe open some space for the running back, you cannot say enough about somebody like that. Um, he's, he's a very clever route runner. He finds holes, sells the run fakes very well in the play action. You know what I mean? If they, you know, it's a, it's a simple play action, the block, and then, you know, he takes off for his route. Fantastic at doing that. Um, he's got some beautiful hands. His catch radius is insane, obviously being six, six. Um, I am excited to see what he does on third down and, and in critical situations again this year. Uh, like I said, with the consistency, three catches on fourth down, three of them turning into a uh, first down. He he's somebody that I don't think they utilize enough. And obviously, you know, it, it's not his fault, like we mentioned, but I would love to see him more utilized in this offense for every game that you have five catches, five catches, five catches. You have a one, a three, a three, a one, a three, a two. And it's like, why are you not getting the ball in this kid's hands? Like I said, if you have a guy that 76% of his catches are going for eight yards, why are you not? Why doesn't he have a hundred targets? Right? Because the thing about it is, is this isn't just your protocol, prototypical tight end. Charlie Cole is going to line up all over the football field, right? And he's going to be a mismatch to a lot of different guys, right? Six, six, he's going to be a mismatch to some of these, you know, third and fourth corners. He's going to be a mismatch to some of these linebackers. Utilizing him in their offense is key to what Iowa State does. I mentioned it earlier. Iowa State has a chance to win this conference this year. I truly, truly believe that. You know what I mean? They had a lot of close games last year where I think if the, if they would have been just a step ahead, they could have won these games. You know what I mean? Last year they lost to a lot of the interconference teams. They lost to TCU, a close one to TCU. They lost to Iowa. Oh, the bat, they lost to both Oklahomas last year. You know what I mean? Like the consistency is going to be a key. But I, I noticed if you look at his stats, he he goes as when as Brock Purdy goes. You know what I mean? I do blame some of what has with his stats. I think some of that has to be to blame on Purdy and sometimes his inaccuracies because he does have 71 targets but only has 51 catches, right? There's 20 there. You know what I mean? I, I don't have his drops, you know, stats in front of me. But like I said, when, when Purdy gets inconsistent, he gets very inconsistent. Um, he's got enough speed to be a mismatch on Sundays. This is transitioning into what he's going to do on Sundays. This guy, he's one of the top three tight ends in this class. I mean, in my opinion, he's, he's really good. You know what I mean? You've got Pitts, you got Jordan, you've got Kohler here. You know, there's a couple other guys on the radar, but this guy, is, this is insane. He's got, he's got a great, great hand plan as a blocker. He's got a, the high motor 
Uh, he's going to be consistent with inside that. He's got valuable instincts on the football field. I, I love, love watching this kid play. He's ruthless. He's aggressive. He's going to be one of the first tight ends off the board in this upcoming draft. And I'm telling you guys, this is somebody that you need to invest in. Tight end positions are hard to come by these days. It really is. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's such a strong hit and miss. Like, we even saw last year the tight end position was very – there was a lot of – depth in the tight end position in this draft this past year but it wasn't there was nobody that just kind of was just stood out to you that made you say this is a guy that needs to be taken in the first round you know what I mean that's that's one thing that we've you, you kind of fail to consistently see uh, from time to time here there's a lot of talent at the tight end position a lot of it you know what I mean so for me it's going to be interesting to see. He's going to have to stand out, right? You know what I mean? You got the Pitts, you got the Jordans, you know, you got the Ruckerts. You've got these guys, and he's going to have to do another, uh, uh, have another season where he's being productive, where he's being a step ahead, where he's consistently doing these blockings and stuff like that. He's one hundred percent going to come out. You know what I mean? He he's going to, he's going going to, and I can't wait to see what he does on the next level. Charlie Cooler is somebody to keep an eye out. Um, I, man, I'm, I'm excited to talk more about this kid because I really feel like he's, he's, he's not under the radar. I wouldn't call him under the radar. A lot of guys in the circle know about him, but when you play at Iowa state, there's a lot of people that don't know your name. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's consistently in my opinion. And I think you agree there. It's, there's a lot of people that will not know his name and will not understand who Charlie Curler is until it comes draft time, fantasy football season. Somebody, this is a guy you need to write down today and look forward to in the future. I agree. It's super talented. There's some, there's some really good raw talent within in the uh, Big 12, right? You know what I mean? There's, it was kind of hard to kind of pick some guys. For me, it was a, more of a trying to find some guys to – to watch that I've never really kind of put my eyes on. And that's what I'm trying to do a lot more. So, cause there's just a lot of guys in this class that we scouted last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of guys, you know what I mean? You have the top three running backs in this class. You have Devonte Smith in this class. We talked a lot about those guys last year. Puka. We talked a lot about, like you said earlier, we talked a lot about Puka last year. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where it kind of goes from there. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's going to be interesting to see, like, are, are we going to, are we going to be in the same boat next year? Right. So obviously some of these guys are now sophomores, so they will be coming back next year, but it's just one of those where it's like, we think, man, this guy's got, he's going to be the RB three or the whatever, whatever. Right. And then we're in the same boat next year. I just, because of everything going on. Right. It's just like, and, and maybe because everything going on, people do leave, right. They more, more do declare. I don't know, but it just seems like every year and it, it's funny. Right. We always talk about it. This is my RB1, RB1. Oh, hey, he's coming back for his senior year. Great. You know, he's still my RB1 for that class now, but, you know, and, and in some cases, but we always get so hyped and so pumped. We're like, all right, we're going to have, for example, Travis Etienne. He's going to be on my team this year. <laughs> nope. Just nope. kidding. <laughs> so just it's, kidding. it's, it's just interesting, but, you know, um, to see, to see how that's going to play out. Um, but yeah, we have talked about a lot of these guys, so uh, definitely tried to go. That's why I kind of went with more of Duggan and, and Smith. Yeah, we've talked about Puka a lot, but went a little bit different route in those positions, and and it was a little bit tougher in the Big Twelve. It was a little, SEC. It's kind of like yeah, just draw from a hat and pick a guy. But Big Twelve, it seems a little <laughs> bit, little bit, little bit more challenging in some cases. 
It is because there's a lot of question marks in this draft class. And with the season is the way it is, a lot of these juniors could really be like, hey, guys, I'm just going to come back another year. This season mm-hmm. wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And like, like you said, you know, the good thing about it is, is we'll have research done for next year already. You know Bingo. what I mean? Bingo. So, all right, folks, do us a favor. Head on over to the Music City Drive-In podcast.com. MusicCityDriveIn.com. Uh, folks, also do us a favor, guys. We have the Discord chat up and running. We've, this thing has been popping. I'm excited about it, man. There's been a lot of questions coming in and out. The conversations are fun too, right? Just the average mm-hmm. conversations. You know what I mean? This is the biggest time of the year for drafts. We have so much content for you to have on this Discord from Debbie to to fantasy football to redraft rankings to, to draft rankings to Debbie rankings to every rankings you can think of. If you have a draft tonight, if you're listening to this, I know people mm-hmm. listen to this as soon as I post it. We are having people – Ask questions when they're getting ready to pick. Hey, should I take this guy or this guy? They're having us rate their teams, trades, whatever have you. We have it inside this Discord, so you want to check it out as soon as possible. Head on over to um, Twitter, musiccitydrivein.com, whatever. We have the Discord out there for you to see. We're going to push it as hard as we can because next year or in the coming weeks, we've got football season. We're going to do a live show, some start and sits. Uh, Bruning and I are going to do some start and sit questions leading up to kickoff on Sundays. So there's so much things happening. We're going to do watch parties with it. We're going to watch some football together, which I'm very, very, very mm-hmm. excited about. That's going to be a lot of fun. But, folks, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the continued support of the Debbie Delight. We really, truly appreciate it. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. See you all later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.